And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode... After Kel and Ayla are fugitives from the First Order, Kaz seizes an opportunity to uncover more details about the growing movement. There will be us playing a game of fetch with a murder ball. Kaz tries on some new armor, and we almost kill a man with a fish. We're talking about the new trooper this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. Did you like this one? Yeah, there's there's some savagery in this one. This one, this one. <laughs> Niku's a little cold, isn't he? Jesus Christ, Niku is is sadistic in this one. I love the way he's like, I didn't want to. Not even sadistic, just just cold-hearted sociopath. I I I think it's uh that's where like the slapsticky like overtakes just like the common sense of it because like it's funny like it's supposed to be these funny scenes but like when you actually think about it you're like Niku all but kills a man. <laughs> well, 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 I've got notes into the chain of events that lead to this guy's horrible life, but this guy then again also has probably an the, uh, unknown to us chain of bad decisions that led him to be the stormtrooper on the Colossus on that day, so I don't feel too bad for him. Well, see, that's I, I have no about that, because does he, or is he a slave to the First Order because of brain scraping? Uh, you know what? I, I just realized today before the show that, like, I think I'm going to, I think, and I apologize in advance, but I'm going to be, like, kind of extra salty in these episodes leading up to the, to the end of this season because, man, I get stressed out with fascists. <laughs> and, and this is, like, the fascists taking over from the ground level. I'm going to get all kinds of salty about characters and, and stuff where it's, it's, it's purely emotional. You might have to talk me down, but I get, I get, I get, I get angry watching this stuff a little bit. Yeah. I, I think that is a, a good reaction because it's something that, I mean, this is why I, I mean, put this compared to something like, like star Wars rebels, like the, you know, it's it hits differently. And that's why I always say, like, this show is so much more tied to our real world because it's pretty much mirroring what's happening right now in 2021 in a lot of ways. And I think the difference is, like, with something like Clone Wars and the Republic, you know, you know like, that was more political because you had the Separatists and it was Palpatine's machinations. And with, then with the Empire, it just was already kind of in place. But this actually shows it, like, how it, how fascism works from the ground up, how it gets in there if you don't take care of it, and how it works and just takes over. And I think it's, that's what, like, one of the huge strengths of this show is its ability to do that. 
and that makes that that is one of the reasons why I I think the show is like just so good. To me, this show does in two seasons what Clone Wars took fucking seven seasons to do, and this does it much neater, faster, while still being bright, happy, and make you laugh. Yeah, no, yeah, but I don't think I don't think cl- the Clone War. I think Clone Wars took seven years to do it because it wasn't their ultimate goal as much as it was like bridging story. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one is is can really get you to to think about like this and this and that and that was that was the that was this taking place from the inside and this is from the outside so this is more visceral this is what's gonna like vibe more with just normal people watching the show you know yeah and 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 on that level so i mean we were talking just last week with jana like it's chilling watching somebody who was just like we like you here like five minutes later get arrested and hauled out of their home screaming about their rights yeah 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 like this show is like and i I know i've said this before like that's why the slapstick is actually so important for resistance to balance that out because the show is so visceral it is so chilling you need niku slapping around a man with a taser to, to laugh at because the idea of, you know, that of brain scraping and like these people are losing their rights in their home, like that's all so real. And that's something the show does so well. <laughs> so Well, are you ready to get into it? I am. <clears throat> the New Trooper is the sixteenth episode of Star Wars Resistance, and it aired on February tenth, two thousand nineteen. Is what involved and then that. It was written by Paul Giacopo and directed by Stuart Lee. Some extra information for you. Trooper C5-515, a.k.a. the Stormtrooper Kaz steals the armor from, is voiced by Steve Bloom. His other works include being the voice of Tom for Tanami, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop, and, of course, he is my favorite character of Star Wars Rebels. He is the voice of Zeb. That makes sense. He had a little bit of grit to his voice. It, it, yeah, actually, it's very, very close to a Spike Spiegel voice, if you've ever seen Cowboy Bebop. It's very, very close. Um, Tom Tom from Toonami is a little bit closer to Steve's normal speaking voice, but this this was very Spike Spiegel, and not quite as, it's not quite as gruff as, as Zeb. Uh, where was I? Cut from the episode was a scene that Kel and Ayla were to attempt a murder... A mudra G, a meditative technique practiced by the healers of their home temple that would keep the trooper unconscious until he recovered, but the scene was cut for time. Uh, this episode builds on the reconditioning threat in a hint of a possible future that Finn would have faced in Star Wars The Force Awakens if he hadn't fled with Poe in the opening scene. More than likely, he would have been reconditioned with a brain scrape or mental wipe, just like Trooper 515 was. What's the difference between a scrape and a wipe? I think they're the same thing because they were because Pyre was I, I think brain scrape is the like colloquial term. Yeah. Pyre was like I think he's time needs reconditioning with a mental wipe, and then the other commander was like time for a brain scrape. Five, time one, for your five. scrape. Yeah. Yeah. So I think brain scrape is. Oh God, isn't that word just horrible? Brain scrape. Ugh. Ugh. And finally, the First Order Rolly droid is called MB-13A. The MB stands for Murder Ball, which was what the crew nicknamed it during production. 
Oh, Yoda, I forgot to write a question. Mm. Sorry, Yoda. Your Yoda does not know what to do with Murder Ball. <laughs> I thought you were about to go Ricky Bobby and be like, Yoda does not know what to do with his hands and just hold up your hands awkwardly. Oh, Yoda knows what to do with Yoda's hands, yes. Yoda's very good with his hands. Hmm. Yoda, Yoda is very good with hands and massages. Mm-hmm. Massages. Yoda gives good massages. Yeah, Yoda's very good with Yoda hands. Yoda is a talented misogynist. He's really good with shadow puppets, yes! 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 Funny shadow puppets. Funny, funny. Mmm. Funny, funny. My, my turkey does not look like turkey. It looks mm. like excited turkey, yes! Sp space ostrich? Mm. Space ostrich! It goes Turtle? Turtle poking out its head. Yes. Oh, oh, hello. How many fingers does Yoda have? <laughs> Too many. <laughs> yes. Yoda has three fingers. Huh? Always have middle finger up. Yes. Oh my God, we've switched. <laughs> I was, I was just trying to mess with Yoda to see if he'd be like, stop using my voice. Yes. Copy Yoda, you do. Yes. Ooh. Many have copied Yoda. Mm. Yes. Rover. Mm. Kirby. Mm. Fuck him. Fuck him! With, with my always up middle finger, yes! Copying <laughs> me, stop! <laughs> no, it's true, it's true. I'm looking at this now, Yoda. It, like, you always have a middle finger up because you only have three fingers. Mm. Always give people the birdie, yes! Mm. Pointy point. Pointy point. Yoda always makes a point. See, this is Yoda's point. Yeah. Now you have two tripods. Yes, three mm -hmm. if you count both. Three. Mm. Five if you count ears. Yeah. One of, one of the tripods is your penis. Yes. Uh, um, question for Yoda. Uh, how do you like my Yoda accent, Yoda? Ugh, terrible. Hey, I'm terrible. trying. Terrible. Terrible. Jedi finds that their own path does not copy paths. Does not copy paths? Worst people in the world, people who copy Yoda. Yes. Copy Yoda, yes. Hmm. Why don't you go, go copy Yaddle, why don't you? No! Go copy Yoda, yes! Stop copying me, yes! Yoda does not know what to do. <laughs> okay. There he uh, goes. I'm wow. sorry, Yoda, go back! No, you found a better trick than the than the spray bottle. <laughs> I think you I think you legit freaked him out. Oh <laughs> uh, well. Hey, turnabout's fair play. Yes, yes. Bravo. It is. Well, it is funny though that he like I that that image of him like I guess I guess it's episode three and he's holding up his hand. It just looks like he's just giving Palpatine a big old middle finger because he only has three fingers. Yeah. Which you know, fair. So, <laughs> All right, Act One. I'm ready for it. 
Act One. We open with Captain Doza enjoying a lovely cup of tea, and he's all like, "Yes, tea! Oh my god!" And then it's like a monster movie because the thing starts shaking, and he's like, oh, "I wish it was a monster. Can we bring it back, Bebo? I'd rather deal with Bebo than deal with this guy." And it's Commander Pyre, old Goldie himself, showing up in a ship, a big-ass ship transport thing. And Doza, Doza, my boy, my best dad, he makes the best stank face. It's it's just, it's like it's like 10 seconds in. Like, the, he drinks his tea, puts it down in the cup shape, and he just turns and just makes this, like, ugh face, and it's great. And Pyre walks in with his men, and Pyre's like, hey, man, what's up? looking good in my office and Doza's like uh this is my office this is my platform you are still living by my rules and uh, and and Pyre's like you know that's cute that's real cute real real cute I'm feeling it I feel it right here in the cockles you know here you, you want to feel my cockles and Doza's like no no and Pyre's like cool so we're still gonna be here no matter what because that pirate that pirate got away and she had an accomplice this is our excuse to stay here and Doza's like ah, Jesus fucking Christ anyway so now the first order's all over the platform right and they're all like going around and stuff and then there's adorable Kel and Ayla and they are sky fishing just roll with it it's very cute and they're trying to like, catch sky fish and they're having fun they're laughing they're living their best lives you know since they're refugees and all that and they're heard walking along by a stormtrooper named Steve Bloom. And Steve Bloom just comes over and he's just like, hey, what are you... Oh, I gotta, I gotta, oh, I gotta dust off my Zeb voice. Hey, what are you doing over there? And they're like, oh, oh, hey, Steve Bloom. He's like, what y'all doing? Where's your ID? And they're like, we, we don't have an ID. And Steve Bloom is like, well, you're just gonna have to come with me then. And so he grabs Ayla and starts dragging away, and Kel's like, let go of my sister! And he grabs a skyfish and he slaps him in the face, and Steve Bloom falls over, smacks his head, and gets knocked out cold. And Kel and Ayla are like, oh my god, we just killed a man with a fish. Oh my god. Then, we go over to Team Fireball's place, and they are all gathering around for the most important, but awkward dinner conversation of the show. This is a very important scene, because... Tam sits down and she's like, you know, I kind of like the First Order here. And Cass is like, you would. You're going to be joining them in like four episodes. And she's like, what's the harsh tone about? And Yeager's just like, you wouldn't understand. And Tam, who this this actually is a line that should have been written to the show, um, where Tam looks at go, uh, him and goes, then make me understand. Because I don't. I don't understand your point of view. But no, Yeager just d deflects it and goes, don't worry, Tam, you don't understand. You lived through a peacetime. I'm not going to go into details because this is a 22-minute show, and we have to go save a couple kids in about five minutes. So they're all going back and forth, and Tam talks about how her grandfather used to work for the Empire. And we know from Star Wars Rebels, you know, people would get ousted from their homes and would have no choices but to work in Imperial factories. And she and she even says, he did it just to put food on the table. Does that make him a bad guy? And everyone else is like... <sighs> that's, a, that's a difficult question because there's no good answer for that. Anyway, so Tam is just like, you know what? I don't want to hear all this. And she walks off to go start working with Niku. 
and and Kaz is like, I hate all of this. And Yeager is like, shut up. Look who's come to join us. And he looks up and there's Kel and Ayla. And he's like, hey guys, this is my dad mode. You want some food? And they're like, no, we need Kaz. Kaz, hey, we might have accidentally killed a man. Can you come with us? Kaz is like, oh my god, okay, let's go. Well, he's like, Niku, Niku, stop working with Tam and come with us. And Tam's like, well, I'm going to come too, because I know these kids. I'm worried about these kids, and I want them to be okay. And you know what? I'm tired of the writers purposely writing me not in this episode to push me away from my father figure, Yeager, and I'm going to come along on this mission. And Kel's, and they're like, really? We killed a man. Come with us, please. <laughs> so they go with Kel and Ayla, and they find Steve Bloom unconscious inside of a closet. And they're like, see, he's dead. And Kaz is like, this is a horrible idea. If anybody catches us, we're dead. And of course, Steve Bloom is not dead. He's just horribly concussed. So Niku, panicking because Kaz told him that this man would kill him, acts in self-defense and slaps the stormtrooper across the head again, concussing him more. And they're all just like, oh my god! So they drag this poor stormtrooper down to engineering, and the turtle folk are like, don't worry. <laughs> We're not gonna say anything. We didn't see nothing. We're the turtle folk. We see all. It's fine. And they put him in Kill Ayla's room, and they're trying to figure out what to do, because they don't want the kids to be reported. So Cass is like, I got an idea. I'm going to pose as this trooper and take his armor and see if the kids are reported. And Tam is like, this plan is so stupid, it has to be yours. And he's like, thanks, Tam. Wait, what? <laughs> so Cass puts on, the, on Steve Bloom's armor, and he heads out there. And he has Niku and Tam on a private comm if he needs help. And he immediately gets spot by a commander who tells him to come with him. And Kaz is now just like, oh boy, here we go. That's the end of Act 1. Do-do-do, what'd you think? That was good. There's a lot going on in First Act. There's a lot going on they in always First have, Act. The first Acts are always long in this show anyway, so they're almost half the show in, in a lot of ways. But so I'll do my, my small notes first is... Uh, Got a space fishing pole. I don't think we've seen a space fishing pole before. It's cute. I, I don't know. So. Yeah, I don't think so either because it has concept art, like like actual like drawn from beginning concept yeah. art. I I don't remember. There's so very not a lot of water stuff because in general special effects, no matter what kind of special effects, water's a pain in the ass. So we haven't seen an awful lot of water in Star Wars, so... I'm still so salty that there's a whole fucking ocean on Lothal, and we never saw it once in Star Wars Rebels, except for in the background. <laughs> salty like an ocean? Yep. Oh, good job. Anyway. Um, the little girl's head looks huge in this episode for some reason. I don't know if it's her hair or what, but it looks like she's shorter than her brother, and her head looks, like, bigger. It's weird, and it's only in, like, a couple shots and different angles so it was just weird eh, let's see and the the re uh, like if i was them i would have and i would have been presented with the trooper i would have said hide the kids down in engineering with the turtles keep them out of sight and i would have just taken niku cam and uh and kaz and and brought him into brought him into the other troopers and go like found this dude like 
st- st- like next to a fish, like knocked out. What is, is he okay? You know, and they probably would have got brownie points for it. Although Kaz is, is kind of on the shit list, but you know, they could have easily dealt with him without while just sort of like, and he got hit on the head and, you I know, mean, honestly, if they just all they had to do was go get a thing from Anzies and pour it on the trooper and be like, he's drunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We found this guy. This guy was passed out down the hall from Anzies or whatever. Or, even or you know, they like, they could have they or, they definitely could have they could have ditched him, but like. Or or even just had something along the lines of bit of like we think he had a medical problem. He just kind of fell over. We don't know what happened. He might have had a seizure. But the whole thing was seeing whether or not he reported the kids. Right. They just they didn't want anybody to know about the kids. But like, then what are you gonna do? Chuck him chuck him out the bottom? You know. So you know, are you gonna kill him? Maybe Niku would kill him. <laughs> 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 this poor guy is so well, concussed. <laughs> and this is another thing is Tam is just like, oh, oh, the way you treat the first order. She has no she has no complaints with Niku knocking him out. She keeps going, these kids knocked him out. Well, he's knocked out because of Niku now. <laughs> and she's still pinning it all on the kids. I, so it, it's weird. I have this in act two. Um as much as I love this episode, and I think this is a really important like Tam character episode. This is also an, uh, the episode where I'm just like, there's some plot holes with Tam's writing in this. It's it's her writing is 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 sort of like I, I I think the last episode and this episode could have been like like a two like almost like a two parter thematically because they're just sort of like here cut like they're not they're not neither of them were really made for visual excitement they're 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 really building plot now and. Uh, yeah, they had to do a little cut. Yeah, that's that's basically the rest of my notes on part one. Is uh, uh, all right. Basically, the too too young to understand line. Yeager, for what he is, which is a spy and and uh, like a survival of doing a survivor of the empire doing rebel things, is really bad at his politics, and and his cautiousness. Now, I guess that can be, you know, you could you could blame that on losing his family. And now he wouldn't want anything to happen to Tam because she's sort of, you know, his new family and she's young. But like not talking to her is dangerous to him and which will play out. Mm -hmm. But it's a danger to him because she is like, hey, you know, she's on the verge of like turning people into the to the first order because she doesn't know better when she asks him you know is my father evil there's ways there's there's real ways to answer that you know the i mean also 22 minute cartoon yeah but there are also shorthands that you could do like a character like jaeger would be just like no your dad wasn't bad your dad was doing what he has to had to do which would a lot of people what you know that you know I, had to had to do at that time they you know they were forced into having we, to work for the empire by the, in in, yeah. in star wars rebels because right. like yeah. i think it was lieutenant list like came to the sumar's farm blew it up in front of them and then yeah. roped them into the factory yeah and yeah you, you I, can't judge people I, you can't judge people who have to have to feed it where if it's like work it's like work in the empire factory or your family starves 
they, and become on the outs with the empire who, you know, you, you, you go work at the factory and you're doing the right thing actually at that. So he like, that, that's the thing is that they, they, they've been just like, you know, avoiding every opportunity to, uh, to give Tam, like basically Jaeger could like without telling, playing his hand or saying you should not like the first order. He could say, well, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And then they're going to start doing this and, and like, and trust her to see it for herself as it happens. And because she's not dumb, she's, she's very smart. So, you know, he could, there, there was definitely ways of handling that, that, that question without, without just brushing her off and that, and it's, it's dangerous to him that he brushed her off like that. And the thing is, I think that's the point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the point it's of the writing. Cause that, it's that's supposed actually... to be in there, but it pisses me off because I hate to see it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why I, I get I, emotional about it, because it, the, yeah. their characters are acting right in their characterization, but it's like, no, come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I have a lot of feelings about that, too, is, you know, instead of saying, like, you know, you just when when Tan was like, was my grandfather evil? And him just saying, you wouldn't understand. Like he just deflects the question without addressing it, and that's a dangerous thing. But yeah, well, I, it's, yeah, especially it's because it's in like a cycle of what they've been doing ever since yeah. Cash showed up. So it's just that it, that ju he's yeah he's pushing her towards them yeah. every time he does that. And and that's that's the point. Like I have multiple points, and one of my actually I think the best parts of season one is how they used Tam within the story. They purposely sidelined her on multiple missions um, and in multiple episodes, like on purpose. And I, I remember watching this as it was airing, so watching it like a week at a time. Like I just kept having these like thoughts of just like. Man, I and this is me watching it for the first time. I, that's a very important key because I kept just like, you know, this is fun, but like I'm missing Tam. I'm missing Tam. And then you get to the finale, you're like, oh, that's why I was missing Tam. Like it's really smart writing because as we as the audience are like watching this happen, we feel her frustration. You know, she has that line where I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Um, oh, she flat out says to Yeager, you're taking Kaz's side again. You know, like. And that's a very important note because she's been feeling it. She's been voicing it throughout the season of like, Kaz keeps taking my ship that you promised to me. You know, he keeps doing these things. You keep letting him off the hook while you keep coming down on us. You're taking his side again. And that's a very important step in her character journey. And like by Yeager not addressing this with Tam and not being the father figure he's supposed to be. Now, granted, you know, he's also the, the boss too. So there's like a work parent there's a work parent uh, as someone who has worked with her parents before when you walk in through the doors they're not your parents anymore they're your boss or your co-worker like there is a line there but like this is a dinner you know they're clearly having a conversation like off the clock and he's not playing that role and i think that's a good a good flaw for for geeker because I think in his mind he's protecting her and he's also protecting Kaz because he has to play that both sides of that. He has to protect Kaz as the spy in the room because if Kaz gets caught, they're all fucked. But that's also what pushes Tam away because yeah. he's not communicating to Tam. 
Yeah, and but the, the the thing is, he should know this. Is it's he was just that, a pilot, that, that was he, that was what he had to worry that's about. Where I, that's how where I have to correct you. He wasn't a spy. He was just a pilot. So spy work was not his thing. He was just a pilot for the rebellion. So we don't actually know if he ever did spy stuff. That this well, might actually not might not be a strength of Eagers. We just don't know because we don't have enough resistance shit and no well, background. Yeah, for but I mean, he's seen it firsthand. Yeah, is, is what I mean. And like in 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 this situation, he knows that the he knows how the you know like the first order how the empire took over at a certain point that which is where we're getting in this story wise it's the 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 point it'll be a moot point who's the spy and all that because everybody's going to get pulled into it at this at at that at at this point you know they're 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 not going to leave this this station unmolested and every single person is going to have to be you know buttoned down and and you know on the right page or they're going into the drink and he knows how that's that's how it works so you know there's a there's a point where you want to protect everybody and then there's a point where you have to protect people differently by letting them know what's going on and saying look shit's about to hit the fan yeah you better get and like tam is much she she has her family there he has a it's he has a lot stronger case to do it and he and he messes it up. He yeah. messes it up right there at that's at that at that conversation. And it, and I I think frustrating to watch, which is is good writing. It is good writing because I think that's why um yeah, cuz like we were talking it's not perfect it writing, but they 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 have to. I don't think they it's have to make me. this work. I I don't know if by yeah. now they knew it was. If by you know because it, I don't know if but like you know our theory is they didn't really were like really planning on doing it for two seasons, but whether they were or they were, they have to sort of they they're, they have to sort of work things in a certain direction so it gets a little but, a little sped up. You no, know, that's so that's nowhere close to what I was trying to say at all. It's oh no, no I, well I no, I wasn't trying to. Oh, because I want to I want to talk <laughs> about Yeager's writing because they they've already kind of defined this. Like this is actually part of Yeager's character journey as well, because he wanted remember episode one nothing to do with Kaz's stuff. He was like, you can stay here. I want nothing to do with it. But so much about season one is him getting back into this. So I think he's still hesitant. And I think this is showing that he's still hesitant and he's like still not willing to fully throw himself in. And that is the mistake. Tam is his mistake that makes him get back into this because it gives him something to fight for and it gives him something to save. And so when you say it's not perfect, I disagree. I think this is really good writing for Yeager because this is just right straight on par with his character journey to the finale when Tam leaves and that pain of having to face it. I'm not I'm not talking strictly about Yeager I'm talking about the whole Yeager and Tam thing and I think it's because like this episode has to carry a lot of narrative weight because there's only another season after this and they've got things that have to happen yeah so so like where is my favorite chunk of the show like starting last week to the finale is my favorite chunk of the show so I'm here for this (laughs) this to me is the best of the show frustrated with the handling of it a little in the show 
but it's the way it has to be and it's also it is it is all lined up with their characters and with what we know of them from the episodes and i think that's why i'm not frustrated because it's i I would have liked this to happen over the course of another season (laughs) yeah this a little more slowly but surely you know and and real and and build it up build it up more you know but they didn't have the time to do that and i know i i I think it's i think it's a good amount because um i I don't know i i think it's handled really well um the fact that it's frustrating you is the point that it's handling it's handled well because it shows how can i finish a a sentence chris I, I think it's because of how well it's written and it's frustrating you is the point because you're supposed to be frustrated with these characters. It's supposed to be all morally gray and messy and not right. You know There's, what? Yeager not addressing it with Tam and talking to her is not right. That's not a good choice for his character, but it's the choice he makes and that's the point and that's what drives her away. And that's the point. I, I'm I'm saying... Uh, that that is that that is one of the reasons I'm frustrated. But also, and it's gonna come out. I I have more like I have more salient points towards it as happened in Act Two. But I like the, I, the, there's yeah there's definitely I I think they have to compact it. And we'll get we'll get into it in my next set of notes. But um, I think it's it's in Act Two where they where I like the the condensed nature of it starts playing in it in its disadvantage a little bit you know keep in mind we're not the target audience i know so yeah i guess that's a better question that's a better question should i should i jump ahead to it or because i mean i can't really like can't really defend a point i haven't brought up yet (laughs) i do want to ask you this i i do want to ask you this do you think because we're not the target audience that it's not working for us and do you think this would work better this works for the target audience to introduce these themes and kind of ideas of what's happening that's it's it's no it's working for me it's working pretty well for me i wish it was was less condensed because like there's like so you wouldn't have to have an episode like this that has as much of you know where you you you, they they have to put a lot of narrative weight into these things to to um to lead to tam's decision you know a few episodes away so it's like yeah so so sometimes do your point because i'm interested since we're here anyway in in the next step in the next part we start seeing tam get um i'll I'll just talk about it less because you'll know what i'm talking about uh and then i can fill it in in the in the next part but you see tam start to get on her own um uh, although with a, also like you can see it playing off things other people have said to her, she starts, you know, getting total reasons why to to support that the um, first order is no good at all, and uh, 
not not up to any good not a not a charitable organization not a positive organization so she's getting like um basically she hasn't gotten any of that really up until now so in the 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 um up until up up until now she's been just sort of you know um neutral or leading towards the first order being like yeah they're okay you know and uh and now she gets all like gen- well i guess i got to be specific then she gets genocide <laughs> Dro- dropped on it and and proof of the genocide you know in the in the face of two little kids with with big disney eyes going they've genocided our planet and and like and she is in the whole deal because kids are involved she's like no i'm going with you because those kids are there and i'm watching those kids you goofball i'm not leaving them alone with you two goofs and so she is first and foremost she's going along with anything she goes along with because she's concerned with the kids and then they tell her yeah we, we're, we're survivors of genocide of the first order you know, and she sort of tries to square it up a little bit by going like, oh, well, why did they kill your planet? You know, they must have had a reason. They're like, we don't know. And she, and you can see her is like trying to fit the fit the square peg in the round hole in her brain at that point. So so. I can't that, go up you if you like or dislike this. <laughs> I do like it. I do like it. No, I like okay. it. it has okay, I can't tell at all. I, I like it. <laughs> I like it, but I think I would have liked to have had it be a longer process. I'm just basically my, I mean, like, I'm basically more complaining that it's only two seasons long, <laughs> you know, that they couldn't, they could, you know, cause they could have, I mean, yeah, they could have gotten a lot more of it and built that, that tension with Tam and not like, so, so that was no that was something that had to be had to be there so yeah Since but they 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 like they have to do it now you know the, or yeah. or they could instead of having more time they could have started earlier and have her see some some good thing but at the same time really you have to introduce the first order so they couldn't really have the first order being around from the beginning of it so yeah i'm still i'm still calling for i'm still saying i want more wanted more time to work on it so i'm so i'm saying in this episode it's heavy lifting so they couldn't do like pretty animation sequences it doesn't matter it's not involved in the story or anything but a lot of you know they're they're putting a a lot of effort to get everything they need to keep moving forward here I... in this episode I okay. I'm gonna half agree. It makes it a little blocky around the edges, but it's still good. I it's disagree. Still very strong writing. I, I I I disagree with it being blocky. I I think season one is a perfectly written season because I think if they did this, and it goes back to what I was saying, how like they write, they don't write Tam much in season one, and that's the point because she's purposely sidelined and. When they do have her there, every line is written 
perfectly and well with the with a way to tell her story and because i was thinking about this like i for a long time i went back and forth about how i felt about that scene with tam and the kids and they're telling her about the genocide because she's a logical person here she's a very logical person she is a and and she's kind we know she's a kind person because we see that in bebo um and her flaws that she still joins the first order but i started thinking about this a little bit more after after i wrote these notes and Kayla, uh, Kayla, uh, Kel and Ayla flat out say, I can't believe you're not believing your friends. Well, the whole point of, of her being recruited by tyranny is tyranny plays on her pain of being left behind and pushed aside by Yeager and her friends. And I was thinking about it in the context of this scene where it's just like, why didn't Yeager tell me about these kind of things with the Empire? And why didn't, you know, like, because all Kaz and Yeager, if you look at that scene, all Kaz and, and Yeager are saying the First Order is bad, but they're not telling her why. And I could see how that plays into her overall anger of just like, why are they not talking to me like a human? Why do they not respect me enough to actually sit me down as an as a, I don't, I get, she's close enough to an adult. She's probably like 17, 16, 17, 18. She's close enough to an adult. Like, they're not, they're clearly not respecting me as my age. And talking to me about these things, they're just talking at me, not to me. And they're not talking to me. And when you talk at me, that doesn't help. I don't like vagueness. And she even says that a few episodes ago. She's like, I have a problem with vagueness. Yeah. And, well, that's, and that's, that's all they're doing on purpose. Because they can't be like, Kaz is a spy, by the way. Don't doubt him. That's and, one of the things that that, you know, that gets me wound up about in, in it. Because I hate the fact that, like... But that's the point. Well, no, no, I hate the fact that you have, and this is a human trait, where, like, someone can go towards fascism measuring genocide versus, like, personal affronts, you know? My dad's not talking, my dad isn't telling me everything, and I'm being left out in, in my social group. And they're and and they're telling me that that these guys are the bad guys, and on the same time, I just discovered these guys genocide. But the, the other side, these guys have really hurt my feelings, and I'm not blaming like I'm not blaming your character because this is how it really happens. Yeah, <laughs> and that's... that's what I hate about I hate about it. I hate about it because it makes me want to hate her character because it's just like Jesus Christ, your feelings are hurt. But genocide. <laughs> I guess the like, but what proof does she have other than their word? Yeah. And and that's I think that's where the difficulty lies. It's not like they have like a video showing it happening, and so she's taking the word of like two little kids that she's only met once. Um, yeah. And so I I get that the logic side of her, and I'm not like you know protecting like you know defending the first no, order no, or anything this like is what, this is what i'd say i'd want to check out uh, i'd want to start checking out that genocide stuff at that point yeah you know? yeah i would i would that that at that point i would be like that would be i'm not saying any decisions should be made there but there's a red flag right there <laughs> and mm-hmm. the kids seem pretty like the thing about the kids is the kids don't seem like they're up to anything they seem like they're you know mm-hmm. so it, it's yeah yeah it, it it gets me all but that's all i have for act one <laughs> well, let me go back to my act one notes 
Um, I know. I, I think we. I think we like did a bunch of our act twos here, but I guess it, it made sense. It makes sense. Um, at some point, and I, I, I still go back and forth about how I would formulate this podcast episode. I, so, because it would be it's it'd be so easy to talk about like uh, like a both sides kind of like Trumpism th- thing where it's like we're defending both sides both sides had good people on it but I think there is an interesting conversation to be had again about good people who are stuck in these systems and the individuals about them and I think that would be and, and Tam's grandfather is one of them you know he was forced to work here we have good people like Eli Vanto in the Thrawn novels. He's a good person, and there's no other job, so he joins the Empire, and he becomes, like, friends with Thrawn. Um, and he goes up through that, and he leaves and goes to the Chiss. I mean, I, I think there's, God, all of Lost Stars minus Nash Windrider, who becomes a crazy person. Like, that is the point of Lost Stars as a novel, <laughs> is that here are two really good people stuck in the Empire, and one leaves to be a rebel, and the other one stays because of her moral code, and then that she gets fucked over multiple times. Like, that's the whole point. And I think it, it's kind of like what, if you want to go listen to Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons in our future episode, where we wrap up Gravity Falls, um, we were talking about this last night, about, like, when you have layers of antagonists, it makes an interesting story. Because... Grant, Tam's grandfather was an Imperial, but he's not a Tarkin. Those are two completely different things. And, you know, we see people like, I don't know, Yalaren. Yalaren in, in Rebels. You know, he was a hero in Clone Wars. He fought with the Jedi. And then he's the head of the ISB. And we know from supporting materials, like, he didn't want to be on the warfront anymore. He wanted to look out corruption and use Imperial resources to find corruption to protect people. Yoren's still a good guy, and he still fucking dies on the Death Star. But he's still not a Tarkin or a Palpatine. Like, I think that's when we have, like, layers of antagonists in stories. And, and, and good people stuck in bad systems. It makes really, really interesting stories. And it makes really, really interesting characters. And it gives it that gray area. Um, and, and that's what I love so much about this writing with Tam. Because we know she's a good person, but she's slowly getting clawed into a bad place. And she's getting clawed into a system that's that's going to trick her, give her these, like, golden words, and then she's going to get there and she's like, this is not good. I'm stuck now. Oh, my God. And and I think that's why it's, like, her her story is so important. Um, But I think I I love these kind of stories where it shows, like, layers of antagonists. because I do have some thoughts about this trooper. I think this this does a lot of good world building for the sequel trilogy. And even setting up stuff with Tross, I think this is a really good setting up for Tross episode. And it's one of the things that we were talking about in Tross was the Stormtrooper Rebellion. You know, we have people, what's the character's name? Janna? Janna is her name? You know, she and, she and all her people were Stormtroopers and they were like, fuck off and left. Because they realized they were slaves and enslaved, just like Finn. And... This this episode does a lot of, and we'll get to that later. So anyway, no, I'm just rambling. Um, but yeah, I I like stories with like layered villains. Um, the best Niku line of the entire series for me is, "I too feel safer in a threatened by the military kind of way." 
That is the best. Yeah, that was a good line. line. That's the best sneaker line. Um, that's a, like a whole another ten minute conversation. We're just gonna not do that. <laughs> I'm looking at this one, and I think that's a it's a whole ten minute conversation. Um, I do like a little a little tiny Yeager moment that we had because he's having um, when he sees Kel and Ayla just outside the shop, he his entire demeanor changes. You know, he goes from, like, gruff boss to, like, hey, you guys hungry? You guys need some food? You guys? Like, he goes into dad mode, and it's really, it's a side of Yeager we don't get to see ever. And I, that's a really nice moment where he goes from, like, gruff boss to, like, dad mode. He's just like, you guys okay? Okay. You guys, we'll take care of you. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about Doza. <laughs> I really do, because I know we're forever in Act 1. Um... I feel well, when Dosa's like has that line where he's like, I'm in control here, Pyre, and it's like, yeah, uh-huh, sure you are. But I think they've done a really good job setting up how desperate Doza is and how he's just stuck in this no-win situation. Yep. And because I, I remember thinking like at the first time you're like, God, like Doza's being played, but he's really not. No. You know, they, they spent the whole first half of the season showing how, like, he needs money. We need we need to bring in Marcus Speedstar because we need money. We need to protect the platform because we need money. And then here's Pyre. And as an ex-Imperial, Doza knows the cruelty of people like Pyre. He knows that if he's just like, fuck off, Pyre, I'm going to throw all your men off here. Pyre's just going to come and just blow up the station. Or well, just he come also and... knows that Pyre knows that he's an ex-Imperial. Maybe they even knew each other. They're almost like, like kind they friendly. almost knew, uh, friendly or, or at least uh, that they were, you know, um, familiar with each other. Or, you know, I mean, Pyre might have done research on Doza or something. But they could, you know, I mean, we don't know Pyre's age. They could have served together or something because he's just sort of like, so, you know. But that's the thing is he knows that Doza's an ex-imperial. So he knows that Doza knows how they how they function, you know. He, Doza, do, do, you, you, can't bull, you can't bullshit him too much because Doza's been on, probably been on the other end of it. So... So that makes Doza dangerous to them. So Doza's on the ra- razor's edge. He's in red, red, ultra red alert, but he also keeps it, you know, if you could peel him open, it would just be like, rah, 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 but he's got to keep his, he's got to play it super close to his chest. And he probably already knows that eventually he's going to have to make a move and, and put an end to this but if he's gonna do it it's gonna be at the right time you know he's he's if he doing makes the wrong move there's hundreds of people in the colossus that's right, gonna perish right he's he's got a million equations that he's got to be doing right now and also he's also got to check every word he says to pyre and to you know he has to he has to play you know they're playing a little chess game with each other at, at that point so yeah, he might look weak or like he's getting played, but not at all. He knows exactly what's going on. The one thing I wish they would do is very early in the season, they brought up like Doza's dealings because Doza Flata says, what's keeping me from reporting you guys to the Republic? And Empire was like, 
what's keeping us from reporting your dealings to the New Republic to kind of like put them in that corner. Yeah. I wish we explored what that was, those were, because we never touch on those ever in the series. So like, for all we know, maybe Doza like was there for Alderaan and like bailed, you know, like he could have been on the Death Star for all we know. <laughs> you mean like Bail Organa wasn't able to? Oh, oh, Chris, ow, pain. Oh, God, ow, right in the he soul. He didn't bail. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> that hurt me in my soul. I was actually, I, I almost got the uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan manga adaption of the novel today. And I was like looking, I was like reading like scenes of Bale and young Leia together. And I was like, <laughs> so that's fresh. That's really fresh. But yeah, like what are Doza's dealings that are so horrible that he can't be like, you know what? This is too much for me. I'm going to call the New Republic, you know? What is that? And I, and I think that's a key piece missing in Doza's story is that we know that something is bad enough that the First Order can hold it over his head that he can't go to the New Republic. But we don't know what that is and we never find out. I think that is uh, that's a key piece missing. So, yeah, we never really I like that we don't find out. We never really need to find out. I just like it. It, it just adds. I, I like it better that way. It just adds shading to it. And you just. You gotta. I mean, he was in the Empire. He's got skele- He's got skeletons, you know. And I... maybe... Oh, go ahead. You you got skeletons if you're in the. Uh, he's he's got he's. Uh, I everybody in the Empire doesn't necessarily have skeletons, but he acts like he has skeletons. I think he would have had skeletons. I think he would have been like, probably really into it, and then at some point had some or you know maybe it was maybe it wasn't until he had a family or something but you know i mean he's he's a he's a great character you know mm-hmm. but he's in the lighter side of his he's in the lighter side not wanting to go in back to dark so he's you know yeah it's, he's a good character he's more more complicated and there were after wars there are people like him out and out and about you know my my feelings about Doza in his past and the vagueness is my same feelings I felt about the Lothwolves. I don't have a problem with it being vague, but I feel like it's just missing that like that last little piece where the vagueness works. Because right now the vagueness is not working in the story for me. Uh, because in my brain it's like, it just keeps going, what's so horrible that you cannot call the New Republic that you're putting hundreds of lives in danger? That you, like, what is so bad? And I feel like that's a very glaring thing. And I feel like if we just even had just a little smidgen more detail, then the rest can be vague. You know, like, even if it was something like if Pyre was like, oh, is it because of what, I don't know, like happened at like the Battle of Baton or whatever. Um, And just having something like that, just be like, oh, something happened really bad at that battle that they could hold over to so like just some there's like a little snippet it just needs well, little, with the kind of chess, little, that little thing with the kind of chess going on in here we don't we don't know since we don't know like sometimes there's times when people have something held over their head that's not that they don't that 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 you know they've already dealt with or whatever and, and but they can you know, he could be pretending that that piece of intel is leverage well, to well, make Pyre like, think as... that he has leverage, and it doesn't matter whether anybody knows. You know, I think I, I, that... I, I know. I'm talking about as an audience member watching the show, it doesn't work. 
I'm not talking about like in the structure of their like character May- versus character I mean, chess game. Like in the in the it doesn't work for me in the structure of the story being told. Do you think it might just be that he was an imperial? That it just might be the fact that he was in, an imperial, and I don't, and maybe imperials are looked like looked at like uh, ex Nazis. No, know? because Griff is an ace and he flies a fucking. That's tie right. Fighter. That's right. That's true. <laughs> that's like, true. But Griff, Griff, he was a he was a grunt and. Doza might have been, yeah, yeah, no, he probably, like, yeah, there's probably specific things. Yeah, yeah you're and, right. and, and that's what I'm saying. It's, it's the same thing I thought about the Loft Wolves. Like, it's fine if the Loft Wolves are vague and we don't know every detail about them, but they're, but like the Loft Wolves, Doza Stories is just a little bit too vague. I just need like one more tiny puzzle piece to pop it in so the vagueness works because the vagueness does not work for me. Mm. So. It's fine with me. I, I've, I'm, I, I guess I'm familiar enough with his kind of character through like Tarantino movies and, and, uh, and westerns. It, 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 this, it, this, this, now this scene with, with, um, Pyre and Doza didn't end with, uh, um, a, a blaster, you know, with with you know a confrontation at the end. But it reminded me a little bit of the scene in The Mandalorian when Bill Burr was confronting his the the Imperial that he was knew was in charge of something horrible, and they were having a conversation over lunch, yeah. and yeah. both both of them sort of knew and were pl- like seeing how much each other knew and, and whether the situation was good. Yeah, well, the specifics were getting laid out right there. It was a much more intense scene that was leading towards a resolution, whereas this one is is leading is is going towards a resolution, but down the line. So it, you know, they're still playing that. We saw the whole chess game. We're just seeing like the opening moves of the chess game in in these shows. But it, it reminded me a little of that. So, like Doza. Just as a character, I'm yeah, I'm fine with him as being being the man of mystery. I can pretty much interpolate, you know, what kind of what kind of stuff he was getting into. Yeah, the personal line went, you know, now we're getting into like Act Two again. There's probably <laughs> or, so only so much. Well, the thing about it is, in Act One, all the plot is laid out, and Acts Two and Three are just resolving it. You know, they're just the action to resolve it. So. I mean, because like we're, act- we're hitting all the big themes right in this first part, and then it's yeah. like how they how they how they get out of it. Well, that's what I was about to say. Like, you know, they, they address like his like Doza's personal choice, which you know he's probably talking about Vanessa, because we meet his we meet his wife in season two that he has this wife that fought for the rebellion and she got him out of the empire. So like, yeah, I mean, it eventually gets it like fully addressed but i like the fact that there's something that doza yeah. can't turn to the new Republic yeah no that says a there's, lot there's like there's like awful things he's done and there's probably redemption we probably don't know his awful his we don't know any of his arc from awfulness to redemption it's almost as if like we should have more like resistance background like in the current run of marvel comics like you know the charles soul run or the greg pack run of darth vader or having like novels about these characters and then working with like Leia and Hera and, you know, Mon Mothma or maybe having something like in The Mandalorian where a very young Hamato Ziono shows up played by Christopher Sean and he's this young, he's like, you know, has a bouncy on him and he's like, no, I'm a young senator and they have to end up protecting them. You know, you could write a whole fucking thing about yeah. that. Dream on. Ugh. Ugh. Act two. Act two. 
Oh, gosh. It feels like forever since I did this. <laughs> but then the, uh, that we had a nine-minute act. Now we got two more four-minute acts. And we also, like, we also talked a lot. We also covered, like, a lot of my notes for act two. So... Yeah, yeah, no, we're doing good. We're we're yeah. plugging along. We're plugging this, along. This one's got some this one's got some ideas in it. Yeah. So anyway, Kaz is act two. Kaz is in disguise and he gets called by a trooper with a pauldron and the trooper's like, Come with us and Kaz is like, Okay. So he's walking along with the troopers and he's like, Hmm, how's your day so far, Trooper Bob? And Trooper Bob is just like, Oh, it's a day, you know, Mondays, right? And and Cass is like, Yeah, Mondays, man, so hard. Anyway, I have all this census data that may or may not have two children that I need to look up on it. Where would I do that? And he's like, Oh, you need to go to the transport, five one five and he's like, Thanks, Trooper Bob. But then the stormtroopers all get a call because there's an incident happening in the marketplace. So they're into the marketplace and the people of the Colossus, majority aliens, very few humans are in this mix, are protesting the First Order being there. And they're like, this is an unauthorized protest. And the protest, the people are like, we fucking live here, asshole. This is my fruit stand. What the fuck? And they start throwing fruit at the First Order. So Kaz uses this opportunity to sneak away. And during all this, as Kaz is sneaking around trying not to get pelted with fruit and stuff, Kel and Ayla are just like, so, hey, Tam, guess what? And Tam's like, what? And they're like, genocide. She's like, oh, my God. It's like we already talked about that in Act 1, but genocide? They're like, yeah, genocide. And then the First Order Trooper wakes up, and Steve Bloom's like, what's going on here? And they're like, oh no, he's awake. And Niku's like, hi, friend. He's like, hi, Niku. I'm Zeb. And he's like, no, you're not. And Niku knocks him out, and Steve Bloom's knocked out again. And Niku's like, haha, I have killed him. But not really. This is a Disney XD show, so he is just very thoroughly knocked out. <laughs> I've been... <laughs> tangent. I've been watching a playthrough of Dang- uh, Rampa, which is a video game where a a group of 15 kids get stuck in a murder school and the only way to get out is to successfully murder your way out and it just reminded me of that because to not have a horrible like high mature rating they make all the blood hot pink like puke hot pink lisa frank hot pink and i just realized that that's the niku version of him not murdering this man (laughs) tangent over anyway so Kaz, still in disguise as Steve Bloom, gets to the transport, and he's like, oh, this thing is huge. It'd be great if I could take it for a joyride. Anyway, so he gets to the, the thing, right? And he opens up the census data, and he sees that Kel and Ayla were not reported, and he's like, yes. Now let me see what else I can do now, because I'm a spy. Well, during all this, uh, a First Order roly droid named, named Murderball comes out, and Murderball is just like, excuse me, I need to put in this data rod. And Kaz is like, data rods i should just take all of them and he's but he doesn't get all of them and murder ball's like thank you i got the one i will not kill you now even though i'll probably try to murder you i don't know in season two i'll try to kill you in season two it's fine and kaz is like give me that and he's like no so then he starts fighting the murder ball right and he's all like give me the thing and then in the best scene kaz kicks off the top of murder ball's head grabs it 
and runs out with the with the head and goes, Here, you want your head? You want your head? Go get it! And I'm not paraphrasing, that's actually the scene, it's hilarious. And Kaz gets the data rod. But, uh-oh, the trooper with the pauldron is just like, You! Steve Bloom! What are you doing throwing that droid's head? And, and Kaz is like, Uh, he tried to kill me, sir. I was self-defense. I, I was... I was self-defense. I, I was self-defense. I was self-defense, sir. And the commander is like, I'm gonna take you to see Commander Pyre. Kaz is like, well, fuck. What'd you think of Act 2? I'm gonna take you to Commander Pyre there, self-defense. <laughs> My name is self-defense. Let's go. Commander Pyre, woohoo. Um, I got Niku is sadistic, and I, I mentioned uh, uh, the kids talk of uh, of uh, genocide doesn't doesn't seem to phase Tam as much as I think it should. Um, my only other notes is uh, I like I like the way the Steve Bloom stormtrooper is. They could have gone in a lot of directions with it. They d- decided not to go in, me- in in any real character developing direction with him, which is what I liked. But there was just enough. He was n- not a total like. He he kind of reminded me like of characters like young Harrison Ford would play, where he was just kind of annoyed and and but like. They they like semi humanized him because you rarely see a stormtrooper out of his costume, and he's a, just a confused guy. And he's a horribly concussed guy. Yeah, they just play. Well, they ju- yeah they just play him as a as a a, a normal guy. So he's like semi humanized, you know. It, but they don't like. There is a you know there there isn't. They they could have made him a real jerk, or they could have like humanized him like Poe, or or something, or, or Finn. I mean, and I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad he just sort of went. Although in Act Three, I've got an I've got another note on him. I, and my because he kind of was a jerk because he was like you know Kellen Ayla are just minding their own business fishing, and he was like you don't have IDs, and he like grabs and starts dragging Ayla off. Yeah, but no, then, no, I'm I'm talking and, and, about. And, 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 I know, but then they, like, they that. really go through the motions of, like, he gets hit in the head. They drop his head downstairs. Niku tases him, and he's just really confused. So they, they yeah. go through the steps of, like, kind of giving him some sympathy. Uh, yeah, and no, I think that's on purpose for Act 3. He's totally, he's totally, oh, yeah, no, no. It, it, it works into the whole resolution of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, even so, a dick is a dick. And when you come out of a concussion, he could have been, a like, hostile and, like, who are you, you know, and paranoid and stuff. And he was a dick before he got concussed. But what, what I, I guess what I'm I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, I, I mean, in his concussiveness, he's humanized a little bit because he's just confused and he's not he's actually and he starts making friends with Niku. You know, he's like calls him his green friend at the at the end. So like. It's but it's but it's not like we're gonna humanize this trooper or make him a character, or have him turn or have him be a jerk, and they have to keep knocking him out. It's just more of a just sort of a a realistic portrayal of of just a regular human coming and be like, well, what's going on? Hey, who are you? You know. So yeah. I, I I just like I I like the I like the way they they shaded it. 
it turns horrifically dark later, but that's in Act Three. We'll get to yeah. that. In Act three. That's all I got for Act Two, though. Like that, like like I said, there's. Oh no, I do have one more note for Act Two, and that's I've, like, what what year did this come out? Like, 2018 or 2019? It was 2019 February. 2019. So like, within a year after this episode aired, I was actually someplace in my town with cops with full face masks, stormtrooper gear on, talking through loudspeakers saying this is an illegal gathering. Mm-hmm. Exactly like that with the citizens throwing fruit at them. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting thing because at first, at first when you first look at it, it's all the alien characters. And then when the shot kind of pulls out more, you can see a couple of humans. But the majority of the characters are the alien characters right. pushing back. And right. we were talking about that last week about how like, it's all the aliens that they're bullying. They're not bullying the humans at all. And like, you know, like they were, they were a little bit edgy towards like Kaz, like, who are you? And stuff like that. Don't go anywhere. But like, they're definitely targeting the aliens in its shows. In Star Wars, there's, there are alien species that are, that are dicks in the same way humans are, but they're, they, they seem way fewer and far between than all the alien species who seem to just be sort of like, just want to want to live their life and be on their way or whatever you know the the race that sebulba is a doug like doug seem like they're dicks the the dugs were the ones that wanted to murder the zillow beast and palpatine is like i want a zillow beast <laughs> or the, the, um i can never remember the name of their species but the 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 they had they were the the they were basically the predators they were in wookie hunt Oh, the, um, oh, Bosk, whatever Bosk yeah, is. Yeah, Bosk is, Bosk's oh, Transdotions, Transdotions. were generally, you know, although, like, they also would go out of their way to everyone. I don't know if there was ever a, a, a good guy Transdotion. There but, is, currently in the High Republic. His name is Skir, and he's a Jedi. But he's so, actually going through a really interesting phase right now because he's struggling with the dark side. Um, and because... A short he's, thing a, for... he's a transdotion and he's well, midichlorians well it, it, no, I don't want to give away too yeah, many yeah, spoilers yeah, that, in case yeah, people yeah, yeah. haven't read the High Republic stuff yeah. but the very short answer is something very traumatic happens to them and of course being Jedi they're just like swallow your feelings you'll be fine trust the force and he's like struggling because yeah. he's going through this really traumatic thing and he doesn't have the support that he needs because of the traumatic thing that happens. And so he becomes a prime target for these things called the Dringir, who are just dark side horror. The Dringir are so dark side that the Sith were scared of them. And the Sith were oh, like, nah, nah, dude, ooh, we're locking you guys scary. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. And so they become a like he becomes a target of the Dringir. And so he's interesting though, because they kind of I talked about that. I think in light of the Jedi is that being a Transdotion, he actually has to work extra hard because his species are known for being fighters and warriors aggressive. and hunters and yeah. aggressive. So he actually almost has to work like doubly as hard to not fall into the stereotypes of his own species. Which is a very interesting take on him. Yeah, there's yeah, you fought there's lots of traps to fall into in all of it. But like, you know, it's pop culture. So but Star Wars makes sure Yeah, well that's the thing, is all the like 
a lot of the good the best good guys in Star Wars are humans also. But like yeah, um yeah, there's like like even the alien species that are kind of sketchy are sort of gray, like the cloners or the bugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the the Geonosians are really good. Like Rebels went a long way to giving us a good Geonosian. Right, right. You know, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, even yeah. even the Geonosians didn't. You know, they they almost seem like a, they they seem more like hired army bad guys than just like rah, let's kill some Jedi. You know, they were just more like, all right, yeah. these guys are paying us, we'll shoot. And the same with the cloners were. Like, you know, they were just sort of like sociopaths that would make clones to die for whoever paid them, you know, so they just didn't care. Yeah. But um, anyway. My, uh, my next note is I enjoy this ongoing, like, kind of mini story arc we're having with OP Pet. Like, he lost his floor sweeper last episode, so now he's, like, scrubbing the floor by hand, and all he wants to do is is scrub the floor and Kaz has that line of like this would be easier with a floor sweeper <laughs> well Kaz is actually being nice to him and and avoiding his puddle but then he has to rub it in at the end and you can tell he's just like ah oh, god damn it I know I know I just I think that's fun and you know I was talking with Allie um from Nights of Ren our friend Allie she's been on both of our shows before um we were talking about how the background characters of resistance are just as important as the main characters and it's fun watching them have these like little character arcs you know like we get a little bit of like orca flicks and like you know they go to see their mother lp pitt's having this thing of like his floor sweeper it got taken and now it's a little bit of a saga and in a few episodes we're going to start seeing like nz and z's going to get into the fray a little bit more as well um so i i, I enjoy this because a lot of shows do a good job making you care for the people. We care just as much for the citizens of the Colossus because they help raise the stakes of the storytelling. Um, we were talking about this last night over on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. <laughs> you yep. know, the people Gravity Falls are thrown into the stakes of Weird Mageddon. You know, if you watch something like Steven Universe, the people of Beach City are part of the stakes of Steven's story. And so it's really important to have these background characters that are so lovable and have these mini story arcs because we care. You know, we care that, like, yeah, it's a joke, but we also kind of care about OP Pet getting his floor sweeper back. You know, people care about that. So it's, it's just really fun writing. Um, the only other little note I have is it is fun seeing Kaz's military training coming into play. Like, because up to this point, like, we've been seeing the fault of his military training. Like, he doesn't know how to use a blaster. He doesn't know how to shoot. But he knows how to talk and address officers. And, yeah, you can tell it's Kaz and it's played up and it's a little goofy. But anybody who's not an officer, he's just like, hey, what's up, Soldier Bob? How are you doing? They're like, yeah. And, like, and he's like, what about these, like, mm. census reports? Like, he knows the lingo and the dialogue to say to, like, the normal everyday soldiers, just- which is actually gets him by. But just, just enough, because like mm-hmm. the thing is, though, like and and once once at the end, they were like, yeah, he's been acting funny all day. Well, once I started thinking back on all the stuff, how all the other troopers were reacting to him, it was almost like they were all like already had the word that this guy was get a little goofy after the first like like the first interaction that trooper went off to another guy goes he's acting a little you know there's something a little off about that guy and he was just enough to fool him until he got got his got his stick and got out of there 
But as he was getting out of there, the word was passing around. We got to bring this guy in. Maybe his last brain scrape didn't take that well. You know, they noticed just enough weirdness. But just to think it was the trooper malfunctioning, it plays all into act three. But like, yeah, I thought they they did. And they did. uh, They did a good job of once he was in a trooper outfit of of uh, maintaining his body his you know his body language enough to to make it comedic while still having him still you know look fairly like a stormtrooper but then again we don't see stormtroopers walking around like him you know he's yeah. just off just an, an, enough but it's, it's a little it's a little animated thing that he doesn't have the turtleneck like the other one so that's another yeah, thing that makes yeah, him yeah, look yeah. out he's got his, his neck is sticking out and and like so like and and you you also get a little subtle cue that the first order might have their shit together like the the troopers might be a little you know the first order said like you know let's do a little brain work on these troopers cuz the empire ones were known for not being the the greatest so things i think maybe uh, we got a little just a little information that that things have tightened up well that's that's an act 3 note i have so you want to get into act 3 yeah, let's do Act Three. Wrap the puppy. Get that puppy wrapped up. Wrap the puppy, yes. <laughs> Wrap it tight. <laughs> tight now moist. I don't even have to talk about the puppy abuse. You just do it now. It's great. That's the cycle of abuse of puppy abuse. Uh, he just said tight, moist puppy wrap. Uh, Pup abuse, they call it. Uh, anyway, Act Three. Uh, so Pyre is in Doza's office and he's like hey Doza and Doza's like what fucking fucking what Pyre he's like so why'd you leave the first order or the empire I'm the first order you're the empire you're old <laughs> and Doza's like how do you know I'm old and Pyre's like we never see my face this entire show so you don't actually know if I'm old either <laughs> anyway, why'd you leave the Empire, dude? Empire and Doza's just like, you wouldn't understand, you know, love, friendship, kindness, compassion, non-genocide. You never would understand any of those. And it was a personal choice. And you know what? It was more than likely that he met his gorgeous, beautiful, amazing rebel wife, Vanessa, and he fell in love and he left. And that's probably the truth of it. But we don't actually know. Anyway, so the other stormtroopers show up and Kaz is with them. Empire's like, hey guys, welcome! What's up? Doza, get out! And Doza's like, this is my fucking office! Empire's like, did I stutter? Empire's just getting so gay in the story, apparently. Uh, he's like, did I stutter, bitch? Doza just gives him the stank face. Empire just watches him walk out. He's like, yeah, sashay out of your own office, bitch. Bye. So Doza leaves, and Empire gets serious. He's like, look, guys. I've heard it on high from Phasma of Tarth. Phasma of Tarth is sending us a full garrison of soldiers to the Colossus. And if the normal people, and by citizens we mean humans, if the humans want to stay, then, and, and if the humans are loyal to the First Order, they can all stay. But we're going to get rid of those dirty aliens. We're going to get rid of them, uh, the people who don't like us. Um, and we're going to kick them all out. And by kickoff, I mean, like, send them off to prison camps, as we find out in a couple episodes. 
And if not, we'll, you know, we'll just kill them, whatever. But we're going to keep the turtle folk because they apparently keep this shit running. So the turtle folk are important. We got to keep them. But, you know, they're slow and they're not fucking with us, so it's fine. <laughs> and then Pyre's like, all right, everybody, give me your reports for the day. You, 515, Steve Bloom, what's your report? And Kaz is like, uh, uh, we fought rebels, sir, and fruit uprisings. Thanks. Who's next? Empire's like, Trooper Bob, you're right. He is acting all weird. He's acting really sus, as the kids say. Sorry, Steve Bloom, you're gonna get a brain scrape. And Kaz is like, a what now? That sounds horrible. I don't want that. So Kaz is like, goodbye! And he jumps into the lift and he turns and he's like, pew pew, on the wall. Which is fun watching him because he learned that from Poe and now he's used it like four times. Hooray for Kaz growth. He's getting better and better with that blaster. So Kaz runs away and Pyre's like, after him! And he's running through the hallways and he's like, Niku, Tam, I need help! Bring me Steve Bloom! And Nico and Tam are like, let's go! It's Steve Bloom! And they throw him on BB-8, and BB-8 hauls him through the hallways. In a really great scene, a very, very, very nice Nymordian is like, is your friend okay? They're like, yeah, he's drunk. Don't worry, let's go. <laughs> he's fine. Too much antsies. And he's like, oh, I've been there. Good luck with your friend, kids. And they're like, thanks. So, they find Kaz. Because Kaz runs into a dead end. Because apparently there's so many dead ends in the Colossus, apparently. Um, and they're like, hi, Kaz. And Kaz is like, get this armor off me. So Kaz strips. And they throw the all the armor back on Steve Bloom. And they put him up against the wall. And they hide. And the troopers are like, there he is. And they run up. And Steve Bloom is like, hey, guys. This is apparently my Zev voice now. I met the nicest person. He's green, and he's funny, and he tells the best jokes. And the trooper's like, yeah, you're going to get a brain scraped, Steve Bloom. And Steve Bloom's like, that's great. I'm horribly concussed. Let's go. And that's the end of Steve Bloom. So they go back to Giger's place, right? And they're all like, whew, the kids are safe. It was the end of the day. And Giger throws open his office door, and he's like, Kaz, this is my boss voice. Come here now. I am going to pretend to yell at you about mechanic stuff. And Tam and Nika are like, ooh, you in trouble. And Kaz is like, ugh. And he drags himself into Yeager's office. And Yeager's like, all right, what did you find out? I hope you didn't get too much in trouble. So they take the little data rod that Kaz stole, and they pop it into BB-8. And he, like, shoots up a star map. And they're looking at it, and they're like, this is... This is a galaxy, and these little red dots uh, look like ships. And that's a lot of ships. And Kaz is like, I know, it's not, those can't be New Republic ships, because the New Republic doesn't have fleets like that. In fact, they're vastly under, well, like, under, like, uh, what's the word? Not ready for this kind of invasion. And you're like, well, if this is an invasion, that's probably why you don't want the Colossus, because to run, uh, to run an invasion, you need gas. And Kaz is like, we should just feed him a bunch of beans. And then they look at each other, and Kaz is like, ah, the end. <laughs> Music plays. <laughs> What'd you think of Act 3? That was good. Um... Yeah, poor Steve Bloom. Can 
kind of dark, gets his head beat in all episode, and then they take him for, for mind rape torture. Yeah. It's okay. I, I don't, don't really feel too much for his character. He was only semi-humanized, but it's, I, a dark, actually, it's a dark fate for a show like this, you know, when you think about it. It's one of those things, if you think about it, it's just like, wow. I actually do want to talk about that, because that's my biggest note of this. You know, because I was, I, I think, again, as we were saying, like, this episode does a lot of heavy lifting, but this is another one of those, like, world-building episodes for the sequel trilogy. And... You know, looking back to the past two eras of Star Wars, you know, first we had the clones and they were made to be soldiers, but they were so, um, they had such identity, you know, they each were individuals, they was, they, their whole thing was their individualism, even though they were all the same, and that's why Palpatine was like, nah, man, like, I know we built a chip for you guys, but I, I don't need you guys with your individuality, so then they went to stormtroopers, and stormtroopers were much more, like, I feel like, I, I feel like the stormtroopers were, you know, they're the OG Nazis of Star Wars, like, they are they're the like- bad people, and, and they are the people who were volunteering to inflict pain and yeah there are people as we talked about who got caught in this crossfire like tam's grandfather and like eli vanto and saying uh saying uh cyana and thane from lost stars but for the majority like these were volunteer fascism fascists and that's where i find like the first order very cruel because we see with characters like finn and janna and janna's crew which this is where I was saying that, like, this is some nice setup for Tross. When you have words like reconditioning, brain scraping, um, it almost feels like these. And we know that Finn was taken as a child, and so was Jana. Like they have, they well, were raised in so, condition yeah, this like, way. Yeah, and, they took a little bit of the cl- the stuff that worked with the clones, and a little bit of the stuff that worked with the stormtroopers, and and adapted them into their new ones instead of instead of making clones. You get the individuality because you basically kidnap children mm-hmm. and sort of like the Jedi and uh, you kidnap children and you you brainwash them into troopers. So there's sort of a mixture of clones where they're made and it reminded me of like troopers where they're a bunch 66- of individuals, you know, it reminded me of like post order 66 clones, you know, like once that switch goes on, they're just yeah. like kill the Jedi. And then like, yeah. that's, that's all that fills them. And so that's where I feel like I, I can't fully like go like, fuck this poor guy, like fuck Steve Bloom because he's a Nazi, because we don't know that for all we know, like he was, he has been conditioned in his brain scrape. He's you know? functionally a Nazi, but the the you know if you it, get brought up as a if you get brought up as a racist as a kid in the in the yeah. woods, you 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 that's how you were brought up. You just think that's yeah. the way things are, and he you know if that's how I mean, if that's how point. if that's how the first order is doing it all the way down the line, then you know if that's how all their troopers are like start out as little kids then yeah <laughs> yeah and that's where it's i mean it's pretty much hitler's youth right that's the whole point of hitler's youth um so, sort of the, it's yeah. even worse though because hitler youth was just something you joined up with yeah 
when you were a kid, you know, it was like it was like joining the Boy Scouts or whatever. I well, mean, Boy Scouts are not great either. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you know what I mean. It was like yeah, a yeah. youth group. This is this is something different. This is something like you. It's, it's, it's like the, it's like the clones. You are you are just in the military from probably since you can remember. Since they do brain scrapes, they probably brain scrape you early on, and then and then train. Mean, train you and brainwash you up from nothing you know wow i just thought of slick so they're all like trauma mind control survivors like the clo it's yeah it's all it's i the more you think about any of it the more it's just gotta get eviler and eviler (laughs) i mean i just thought about slick from the clone wars episode like early season one clone wars episode and it was the traitor clone he was just like we are slaves of the republic we are enslaved by them um, we don't have a choice in this, and I just, well, I haven't thought about Slick in so long. I love that guy. Um, but yeah, they can't just walk away. I, I, they never signed up uh, for anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's the whole point of Finn's story. I feel like when we see this kind of like that would like, like Steve Bloom would have been Finn if Finn hadn't have left, he would have went through what Steve Bloom goes through. And we would have lost Finn and not have his character. And, of course, you know, like, Trask lost Finn anyway because fucking writing of the show. Um, well, as we know from Grunkle Stan, you know, maybe a mind scrape isn't the last step. Maybe you can keep coming back from a mind scrape if you're... But, but yeah, yeah, that was what Finn was heading for. Actually, um, I think it was Pyre. One of the two, it was either Pyre or the other commander, but one of them has said maybe the last mind scrape didn't take as well. Like one of them yeah, has they, said that. Yeah, they, so they said this something. This is a normal occurrence. Yeah. 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 And so that's, I, I guess what I'm getting at in this like long rambling is I like this kind of layer to the First Order um, because you have people who are evil. Like people like Phasma, Pyre, Tyranny, Hux. They're there because they are fascists and they believe in the system and they are bad guys. They are the Tarkins of this group. But then you have people like Steve Bloom and Finn who are – the word victim keeps coming to my mind. And they are in a way victims but because they don't have a choice. But like – yeah, I, victims is the no, word. No, I mean yeah, that's yeah, how yeah, war is. There's all these people. There's yeah. the people who are doing it on purpose and then there's all the people who are – who are blown and washed around in the tides. And the fact of the matter is with almost every human being or any, you know, any sentient being at all is you try to live. So in war, lots of people make decisions of where it's like live or die. And they're, they're, they're like horrifying decisions. But so you end up with you know, almost nobody getting away clean morally, you know, mm-hmm. you're, or, or escaping, you know, the, the bad effects of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an interesting part of the story because it makes you kind of stop and go, is Steve Bloom's character like a pyre or a tyranny or a hux who, you know, joined the, the first order on, on his own and maybe he's had the occasional brain script to take away his individuality, but did he join on his own or was he like Finn? And I, and, and he was just raising this as a child and 
had no choice in the matter. And I think that's a really interesting story element to add because I, I, just, I think that's a really interesting story element to add because it kind of makes you think about characters like Finn and Janna and... Yeah, well, then you think of all those all those troopers in, say, the last movie. Yeah. And you think, and you think man, there could have been a great storyline in here of, like, how about we defeat these guys by somehow defeating the programming of all these stormtroopers and freeing these people who've been denied a life for a good 20 years. Or That was of, actually, know, I think, and, in the original story, uh, the concept them, art. Turning them against Palpatine or something like that. That would have... Uh, and that would have closed a lot of um, th- questions and moral quandaries about the clones. You know, it would have, or it wouldn't really have, but it would have given a little sort of closure nod towards the clones by actually like freeing them instead of just like, oh, they all die in fire. You know, so I mean, that's that's the thing. Like in the original concept art for Trash. There's images of Finn leading yeah, a stormtrooper. I did say trash. Um, and, and trust. Um, there are there's concept art of Finn leading a stormtrooper rebellion. Like it's in the concept art of the original story. Uh huh. Uh huh. And, and that think, would have been great. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Like I think that would probably be more of like you know. Sort of like there were still stormtroopers on the inside with the stormtroopers he hooked up with, and they would have done that. But I would have liked to been like something where they rig up some sort of like thing, and they're like, you know, play this tone through every every trooper's calm, and it will like knock out their programming or something. You know, something like that would have been really really cool. Yeah. And it, but yeah. But um, did you have any other notes for Act 3? No, that's it for me for... for um, oh, I, actually, I didn't... Uh, I, no, I, um, they're all just... Uh, um, um, surface short notes. Like, all the foundations have been laid for Tam to be now for Tam's dilemma as of, as of now of all of, like you know, against her friends and against the First Order. And, you know, they should have just, they should have ditched those kids early on in this story. Once the kids went and got them, they should have put them down with the turtle people and then dealt with, I don't know why they kept bring, kept the kids around them for the whole Stormtrooper fiasco. They should have ju- just hidden the kids away first thing and so that they wouldn't, there'd be no chance of them being around Stormtroopers and stuff and and uh hijinks but that's all i got for that's all i got for act three um so I, yeah everything else i have left are just uh little surface notes um i love the moment when kaz is dressed as the star trooper and he walks by Tora's room and waves at her and she has this look of like what the fuck <laughs> it's such a funny little moment yeah <laughs> but then i started thinking more like this is another really good kaz episode like you know he's and, and I like the humor of how they use Kaz. Um, you know, just like the little part where he's like giving his book report and he's just like, and that's about it. Who's next? 
anyone who's next. But then we yeah, see Yeah, no, he's see... becoming a successful spy. He's still goofy, but he's proactive and he he forms a plan and he's he's acting. He's he's obviously like brave, you know. And he and he totally adapts. Like like you know, when he his whole goal was to make sure that the kids were not reported. And when he gets there, he sees a moment of opportunity when the murder ball comes up and he's like, "Oh my god, data disks." Give me like, let me take 12. Like I'll take 12 of those. Thank you. Um, like he, he sees the moment of opportunity. And then when he gets found out, the first thing he does is dive into an elevator and shoot it out. Just like Poe taught him, you know, and he like runs and he gets out of there and he's, yeah, he's adapting. And I think like, he is not the person he was. Okay. Let me rephrase this. He is still on a moral basis, the person he was in, ep- in episode one, but he's learned how to use that to be a better spy. And I think that's a really cool journey that he's taken. Um, and I and I and I like this direction. I think it's really good for him, though. But I like that they still keep his like his good heart just because when he is just yeah. looking at Pyre and just being like, who's next? Anyone? It's funny. It's just a funny scene. Um and I just wanted to touch base on it's just a little important piece of world building when Cass flat out says, man, that can't be the New Republic fleet because they don't have that many ships. That's such an important piece of world building yeah. of of they are just woefully unprepared. Unprepared was the word I was looking for when I was doing my recap. They're just woefully unprepared for the First Order and the show keeps dropping those hints of just like the New Republic fucked themselves over apparently massively and made it really easy for the new the first order to come in so um that's all i had for this episode did you have anything else no that's all i got all right well score it up for me chris um i'm giving 8.5 i probably would have given it a nine but it's as I said, it's like a little condensed for me. It was like front, definitely front loaded, but it's a it's a solid episode and it does the work for the future while doing it in a very entertaining way. So eight point five. Um, this is actually one of, uh, another like like I said earlier, like we're in my favorite chunk of resistance. Like to me, like from about um two episodes ago to the finale like to me this is the strongest writing of the entire series so i am just hitting my nines over and over and over again because like tam's story is deepening kaz is stepping up it's still funny but still deepening the plot Mm -hmm. while still be like writing that line of being horrifically real world scary and really hitting a lot on the real world but still having the heart and charm of resistance and it's such a good balance and this just continues to be good and so i give it a nine out of ten this is one of my favorites i think stories like this uh, about like authoritarianism taking over type thing this the this part of the story is the most interesting and like it's got the most just emotional weight to it. So it's the most intriguing part of the story. So it's always like, to me, the best, the the best parts, you know, and then, you know, after this, after what what's happening in this arc, then the rest of it's going to be re- re- resolution, which is, which is good, but it just never has that because, it's it's working towards resolution while here it's get going bad and putting everything up in the air 
So it's just it, it like plays to your imagination more. It's like the Harry Potter books, you know, mm-hmm. when with like like in the period when Dolores Umbridge is running the school, you know, that's when I to me that's the most compelling section of of that story. And then you know the end of it is great, but that's resol- resolving all the other stuff when it's in that part and you're you're what you know you're wondering what could happen to anybody at that point and stuff. So it's. Yeah, we're in we're in the just most fertile part of this story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page and Twitter for mm-hmm. our Resistance episode, The High Tower. Um, and just to set up the Twitter one. Um, uh, we had been joking in this episode during the High Tower that there was a bunch of adult men going into Tora's teenage bedroom, sort of hanging out in a teenager's bedroom, <laughs> yeah, reading her so Archie comics. Yeah. So. Okay, so this uh, comes from. Oh, this is a this is a nice name. The the Sifty Minutes podcast. It's a play on sixty minutes. I know. Hey, I'm old. I used to watch 60 Minutes. It's still on, actually. So uh, they said, yeah, there are too many strange men in that bedroom. So uh, Sifty Minutes podcast, if you've ever checked them out, they are a straight-up Star Wars political podcast where they just like, here's the politics of our day. Let's apply Star Wars to it. So that's their entire thing. So if you want, like, super politics in your Star Wars um Check them out. They're a lot of fun, and they're just well, it's, really, it's, really, really, really sweet people. It's funny, like fifties and fifties mores would still have had a problem with with a bunch of uh, teenage boys hanging out in the in in the room, mm-hmm. just for different different reasons and in different ways. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Like uh, here's their. Um... Here's a summary of their most recent episode. This is Rebel Rising's Gun Violence Part 2 in DC Statehood. You may have heard of the Dyad of the Force, but this week on Illuminations, we have the one and only Triad of the Force. Triad of the Force, by the way, is another great podcast. Super sweet people. I love them all very much so. Uh, We talk about what keeps us connected to Star Wars as marginalized groups and Tartakovsky's Clone Wars before continuing our conversation on gun violence, contrasting with DC's bid for statehood with Puerto Rico's Commonwealth conundrum. Buckle up, it's a bumpy ride. (laughs) Hey, I want to listen to this show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're really great. So that's uh, 60 minutes. Yeah, they're really sweet. So anyway, continue. (laughs) All right. Well, the next one comes from Facebook, and it comes from Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, yeah. When the First Order troopers start chasing Kaz, the music reminded me of when Han, Leia, and crew shoot the space worm in the asteroid and realize it's no cave. Oh yeah, I wish I had that music. Oh yeah. I wish they released that music so I could listen to it, because you are correct. Kaz in this episode reminds me of Roger Wilco in this PC game called Space Quest. Roger is a clumsy janitor who becomes an unlikely hero. Oh, yeah. Cast scream while dodging blaster shots is pretty humorous. Ha ha. <laughs> I think it was Allie, our, our bud Allie from Knights of Ren. 
I think she did a collaboration video, if I remember correctly, of just Kaz's screams. And it's hilarious just because he's it's just him just going, ah, 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 for like two minutes solid. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. <laughs> Christopher Sean finding so many different ways to make Kaz scream like a banshee. Um I, I love, I, I just, it's so good. And, and I'm, I'm partially joking. Like Christopher Sh- Sean is just so good as Kaz. How is and... his last name spelled? S-H-A-W-N? No, I think it's S-E-A-N. Okay. Um, I was going to say, is he, I wonder if he's the son of Wally Sean, but he's, Wally Sean is S-H-A-W-N. No, no, no. There's a lot of there's a lot of actors like their kid like Jason Jason Ritter being being John Ritter's son. No, if I remember, um, I know one of his. Um, I don't have this in front of me. I know um, one of his parents it was an immigrant. I believe she's from Japan, if I remember correctly. Um, oh, that's and, right. And so. Um, Yes, I had to Google it. I just want to make sure. Yes. Um, so, nah, he he actually, uh, to t- t- plug one more show, because apparently this is the show of plugs, um, Friends of the Forest, Brad and Sarah, who was on a few episodes ago, um, they have a really great interview with Christopher Sean, and he talked a lot about, like, what it meant to voice Kaz and to be, vo- as a person of color, voicing a person of color in Star Wars. And he talked about that, like, the importance of, like, never seeing himself growing up in Star Wars. Um so uh he that that's a really really great show um so definitely go check out brad and sarah's interview of christopher sean because it's really good um yeah that's about all i mean we're waiting for candy so we have no candy there's no candy today so Mm. there'll be candy soon enough though there'll be candy soon enough well um where can people find you chris you can find us at twotruefreaks.com that's our website where we keep all the podcasts all of our podcasts and all of everybody else's podcasts and who's everybody else I'd tell you but there's just way too many people but there's a lot of us and we talk about a lot of nerd stuff you can sign up for our RSS feed there or at iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell they're calling it these days we are whatever also you kids Facebook. call it these days whatever you punks you little shavers why you uh we are also on the facebook's another another place that the kids are all over like the tiktoks but we're not even on the tiktoks we're on the facebook's with the other old codgers and there's the two true freaks podcast where we post all our shows and the two true freaks cantina which is sort of our clubhouse the two true freaks demanza corp clubhouse and we are also on twitter where if you uh are friends with two true freaks on twitter you can see what all the podcasts that we post happening there and when you're friends with two true freaks on twitter you are also really friends with the legendary gene gene the friendly machine he's gonna be everyone's friend gene he's he's sort of like tom in myspace (laughs) oh my god except instead of being everybody's friends Friend, he just listens to everybody's podcast in the world. Hi, 
<laughs> I have not thought <laughs> about like Tom in my space in so long. There's a there's a uh, uh, website called myhey, m y h e y, dot com, that just replicated the code for MySpace, and you can go sign up for it, and it operates exactly like MySpace. You can even do the adding the code to do all sorts of little sprinkly things on it, and it's it's very it's 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 fun to try out because it's just like so different than what social media has become now it's so like kind of like naive and and like not built for drama <laughs> at all it's just sort of built for being it's built for being friendly and it's just kind of sweet and and naive and it probably won't blow up <laughs> But you can go and you can go and pimp out your page like you used to on Facebook and stuff. It's kind of neat. Maybe people can find me there. <laughs> but that's where that's where you can find me. Maybe where can they find you, Hope? Um, you can find me at J Guys and Jedi on Twitter. That is our Twitter account, and I run that. Uh, you can also follow me at Hope Molinex. Uh, we mentioned a few times that we have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, and it's starting to just kind of become like us just talking about two shows at once between the two shows. We <laughs> overlap so much. Um, but that was actually kind of the reason why I started Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, because as we were going through Clone Wars and Rebels, I kept going, you know, they do these kind of things in, like, Gravity Falls and Shira and Avatar The Last Airbender and Steven Universe, and I get telling Chris about all these things, and now I'm making him do it. So it's kind of funny, because the point of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons was so I can then talk, make these references, and Jagas and Jedi, and Chris would know what the hell I was talking about, and it's working. <laughs> it's working, just as I planned. <laughs> So uh, we I walked right into that one. You really did. So we are finishing up Gravity Falls and we are getting ready to do Avatar Lost Airbender. So that's fun. And you can follow us there at HMCWC pod on Twitter. And you can read all my reviews over at geekygirlexperience.com. I'm in the process of writing something for Thrawn Day, which was weeks ago by the time this episode comes out. But you can check that out as well. So you know how I was saying that this we're in my favorite favorite chunk of resistance? Yes. Yeah, next week ain't it. I actually don't like next week's episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's not where I thought we were going, but okay. Interesting. Well, now I'm intrigued. It's not that it's a bad episode, because next week we're going to be talking about the core problem. And it's not that the core problem's a bad episode. It's a perfectly good episode. The only thing is... It's it's Signal from Sector 6, Part 2, and it's like the same plot as Signal is from Sector 6. So I guess that would be the core problem of that episode. Ah! But we'll see. Like I'm interested in rewatching it because um, I've been a lot yeah. of the episodes I haven't liked the first time through, like the Triple Dark and Fuel for the Fire. I've really liked this time around. No, you're so. like your feelings on like the beginning. Like I remember when when Resistance first came out, you're like, nah, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. Oh, I just remembered the, when I saw the core problem. Though I was actually on vacation with my friends in a cabin, and I was like, the new Resistance episode has come out. I'm gonna have to not talk to you guys for 22 minutes. <laughs> Oh, okay. So there and, might have been mitigating circumstances. Well, and, plot thickens. But uh, we'll we'll see because I 
I don't actually think the episode is a bad episode. It's just, to me, so similar to Signal from Sector 6 that it's just like, why are we rehashing these same storylines with nothing changing except for CB23 joins the cast. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, but it's worth it for CB, CB23 to join the cast because CB is the best. And I will even go as far to say the f- hot take to end the episode CB23 is better than BB8. That BB8 bitch can sit down because CB is going to be here next week and she's here to the end of the show and she's a badass bitch. Okay. I'm 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 not in- invested in BB8. I'm I'm ready for ready to hear this argument. Yeah. Next week. Yep. All right guys, we'll, we'll see you next week. <laughs> All right then. Bye everybody. But, so I know, sorry, like I, some, like somebody messaged me and I was like, I looked at it on my phone and then I realized you were talking and I looked up and I was like, fuck, I don't know what Chris is saying. <laughs> <laughs> I was so good, so good at the end to not look at my phone and you caught me right at the end and I was like, Chris said words and I have no idea what words he said. So I'll just take the safe route and say, bye. Because <laughs> luckily it's the end of the episode. Good luck, everyone. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.